You are listening to the Women's Health Practitioner Podcast. I am Dr. Sarah Wilson, naturopathic doctor, business owner, and practice mentor. And I am on a mission to change how women access healthcare and to change the lives and businesses of the practitioners who are delivering that healthcare. On the Women's Health Practitioner podcast, we are going to dive into the latest evidence that you need to know to provide your patients with the highest standard protocols. We are also going to talk about business principles, mindset challenges, and all of the things that are holding you back from giving yourself and your patients the best possible experience. I cannot wait to dive into the behind the scenes of how I support and educate both my patients and practitioners and bring you the latest and greatest in things that you need to know to thrive and to help your patients to do the same. Sit back, relax, enjoy the listen, and I cannot wait to hear from you in the reviews and also on Instagram. Hello everyone and welcome back. I am going to be expanding today on my conversation from our last episode Um, and I am going to be talking about a question that I got so much during my talk um, at this event and that I get all the time in my different mentorship programs and it's this question of what happens when we don't have a diagnosis because so much of the time we don't. So The most recent talk that I gave was all about how hormones and inflammation cannot be separated. We cannot, well, we can, you could do whatever you want to do, (laughs) but we should not, I don't think, be looking at hormones and inflammation in a silo. So an example of this is when we're working in the world of fertility, for example, if you are taking the lens of, okay, well, we just need to pulse GnRH, we need to lower androgens, and we need to increase progesterone, and that's what we need to do, um, then you're missing the majority of the causes of infertility. If you are dealing in the world where you are saying, okay, I need to push the immune system to do this thing in menopause, for example, right? And so you are like, okay, this patient has developed an autoimmune condition. Now I need to modify the immune system. I need to modify the gut microbiome. I need to just work on the inflammation piece and then everything will come into play. Then you're missing a huge portion of it. And I talked a lot about the statistics that are available that show that the most common periods of time where dis-ease onsets is in these periods of both hormonal and inflammatory transitions. And those things are incredibly impactful. And the health of your body going into that period of time is going to dictate what happens. It's going to dictate how your body responds. It's going to dictate what those vulnerabilities look like and how to how we as clinicians need to engage your body differently to support health, right? So if someone has developed an autoimmune condition in menopause, then oftentimes one of the things we go to do is stabilize the immune system, but we also support hormonal balance because we know that the estrogen and progesterone balance is incredibly important in the Th1 and Th2 axis, right? And so that's when you have a diagnosis, when you're looking at 
okay, I can see the inflammatory and the hormonal component of this condition. And now after this talk today, I am feeling empowered and inspired to support people through both aspects of that care. When we are looking from another perspective, right, someone without a diagnosis, and again, this could be in the world if we go back of unexplained infertility, that patient does not have a diagnosis, right? And so in that world, (coughs) sorry, we are, I'm still dealing with this cold, I apologize for that, (laughs) for everyone who just got a jarring reaction that came out of nowhere. Um, But we are dealing, right, in this world where if we look just to the research on unexplained infertility, right, unexplained recurrent pregnancy loss, unexplained recurrent implantation failure, we are going to get some information. We're going to get a lot of information on mechanisms, a lot of information on what we believe to be true. We're not going to get a lot of information on an intervention and an outcome. And when we do get those, we're not going to get really strong clinical effective results in oftentimes in many situations. And that's because, and again, we're just going to riff with this. We're going to riff with unexplained infertility because it's one I'm really, um, I'm really passionate about. So when we're looking, right, frequently, what we will hear clinicians do is they'll say, okay, let's explore mitochondrial function. Let's optimize your hormones. Let's work on your stress. Let's do that type of thing right? Which is great. Like all of those are wonderful, wonderful approaches. But we also need to be factoring in what levels of immune dysfunction are happening. We need to be looking deeply into, again, that immune response because so much pregnancy is an immunological event. We need to be looking into blood sugar regulation. We need to be looking into liver health. We need to be looking into brain signaling, all of these things and infections and, 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 and. Like we have this huge list. And if you have a patient who has underlying immunological issues, that's going to be very different um, in terms of your management, treatment, and success outcomes than a patient who has high free fatty acids. And so in those cases, that is where we really do need to divide the treatments and we need to understand the mechanisms. So high free fatty acids has a very specific embryotoxic mechanism, right? That we need to be factoring in. If we're looking at the immune system, we need to say, okay, is this person stuck to H1? Are they stuck to H2? Is this a complement issue? Is this an NK cell issue, right? Like at what level of the immune system do we need to intervene? And what's really critical that we're all on the same page about here is that we are not going to have thousands of women in a study looking at a specific herbal extract who have had their NK cells, their complement, and their cytokines assayed for Th1, Th2 before and after. We're not going to see those studies. And if we do see those studies, they're probably not going to give you a, a reflection of how that intervention would work clinically when you are hand selecting that treatment for that patient. Again, again, I'm going to say it, the beauty of our medicine. We can look in that situation, right? And if you have access to cytokine assays and um, much deeper immunological testing than like have that or in your scope in Ontario, we don't. And so if I get handed that research or that, that data, right? So they've worked with a fertility clinic, they've they've run the reports, they get handed to me. I can look at that 
I can look at their gut microbiome. I can look at those hormone levels. I can look at how they're responding to medication, right? I can look at all of those pieces. Then I can do my deeper investigative testing to make sure that nothing's being missed from an immune system perspective. I can advocate for testing things that are not in my scope that should be run. And then I can put all those pieces together and say, wonderful. Now I look to the mechanisms in the research through which I know this is impacting people and I can extrapolate. That is what I call evidence-informed care. That's not evidence-based care. It's evidence-informed care. So what does that look like? Okay, we have a patient and we know that uterine NK cells are involved in, I'll use recurrent pregnancy loss for an example, okay? So then we also know that uterine NK cells are affected by a specific herbal extract. So in that situation, there's no research on recurrent pregnancy loss and that specific extract. But you can extrapolate, right, sometimes appropriately and sometimes inappropriately, which is totally fine, that that would be a decent treatment outcome, right, or a decent treatment approach. And you can address all of the other factors you see, taking an integrative and functional approach, right? You're saying functionally, if this person is as healthy as possible, their NK cells don't matter. So let's work on all the reasons why that NK cell wants to be out of control, Okay, and then we are going to help to support them in their path forward. And recurrent pregnancy loss is a diagnosis, right? So you can put in recurrent pregnancy loss and you can get a list of different RCTs and different things that have been involved. Now, if you have a patient, which is my practice, which is why I've become so passionate about this. If you have a patient who's seen five other NDs and they've gone through that list of most likely to be applicable, right? We all have, we all have that um, standard database where it's like uh, insufficient evidence to, to intervene here or likely effective, right? So if you go through all your likely effectives, do we just say to that patient, I'm so sorry, there's nothing for you here? Or do we say, let's go a level deeper? And my practice has been the reason why I always choose a level deeper. That, and to be completely honest, working in a research lab, I saw it takes 10 to 17 years in order for a research study that I'm doing that has very significant clinical impact to be picked up and used. And so that's why I got into naturopathic mentorship and subsequently mentorship or naturopathic medicine and then into mentorship because I didn't want my patients to have to wait to get results. I didn't want practitioners to have to sit there twiddling their thumbs and being like, okay, well, PCOS, I guess our only options are berberine and vitamin D and myonostal um, and off to the races. And if that doesn't work for your patient, oh, well, good luck, right? We can do so much better than that. And again, those are all conditions that have a diagnosis. So where do you even start with the patient who generally feels unwell? Where do you even start with the patient who has low libido that we're seeing a ton or hair loss, right? It's again, hair loss is quote unquote a diagnosis, right? You can put telogen effluvium or whatever you want in your chart, but it's not telling you the constitution. It is not telling you what you need to assess. So then you end up with a laundry list. And if you're sitting in PubMed, especially the, I don't feel like myself, which I get all the time, or weight loss resistance, right? Brain fog, fatigue, we get all of these things. And it's like, okay, well now I have a DDX list of about 30 things. Let's do some blood work and see what comes back. That blood work, if you don't know how to functionally interpret it. And again, with blood work, so important. I wasn't even thinking we were going to go here today, but 
it's absolutely critical that you understand that from that blood work perspective, right, what we are looking at is not just the individual marker and saying, oh, here's the functional range of the individual marker. If you've gotten there, you're a step ahead most, right? But it's also looking at the pattern. When you can look through all the labs and pick out a pattern that tells you a story that gives you a direction to go, yes. But there's also no RCT on a specific pattern in blood work that suggests that there's issues happening. And I know that I'm sounding a little bit flippant and I'm okay to hold that space, but the number of new grads who graduated in a pandemic, of students who have not gotten mentorship and support, of practitioners who have practiced in complete and total isolation for three years and are just feeling overwhelmed and don't even know where to start, the number of people in those categories that I have talked to in the last six months, eight months, is exponentially greater. Like when I first started this business, it was because there was an appetite for knowing what actually worked in each condition, not just the research, but what worked in each condition. And I was the only kid on the block. There was no one else teaching about and saying, here's my protocol for all of these most common conditions. No one was doing that. That was five years ago, six years ago now, right? And so I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to fill this void because I have NDs booking into my schedule to ask me patient questions. No one was doing live mentorship. Everyone was in silos. And so that was the passion for what got me started. And what I stay here for is all of the people who were still sitting, even more people, I think now, who were sitting in that camp of, I don't know which side to choose. I don't know how to practice. I don't have enough experience to know what works. I haven't seen enough like patients through a mentored experience. Because that's the thing, that's what should happen, is you should be able to bring a case that someone's not getting better and have your hand held all through school to be like, okay, here's different approaches, here's things to think about, here's how we can do that. But when you're sitting at home alone, seeing a patient virtually, you're not getting the benefits of that round table experience. And that's what's really, really critical, is that we're balancing these these concepts that we're giving people the space and the time in order to learn in supported containers. And so that is, again, a big piece of what I wanted to drive home after this conference and even after the last six months is if you're feeling overwhelmed, right, you're feeling absolutely just at capacity with one method or the other, know that it's okay to combine. And if you're feeling like you're straddling research so hard and you're straddling these databases so hard because you actually don't know what works and you haven't had the clinical support and mentorship to know what actually works, then get the clinical support and mentorship right? If you feel like you don't even know how to navigate PubMed, you don't even know where to start. And so you're just using seed cycling and cold therapies, right? For example, I know none of you guys are doing that, but I use the example, even this, honestly, fish oil, probiotic, vitamin D, food sensitivity test. If that's what you're doing, then you can do so much better for your patients. But that's where so many NDs are comfortable. If I eliminate the foods, if I give them vitamin D and a fish oil and a probiotic, then something will shift. Well, Newsflash, our patients are demanding more. Our patients are more educated than ever. Our patients are more complex than ever. Our patients have seen more doctors than ever, which means you're not necessarily triaging. Like we don't see very often in our practice people who have had no exposure to health information. 
right? We don't see people who are coming in and saying, oh, you know what? I've never heard of naturopathic medicine. And like, sure, why not? They're coming in saying, I want blood work. They're coming in saying, I know you take a different approach. They're coming in with the expectation that we are going to dig deep and we are going to give them information about their bodies. They are coming in knowing that we have the ability to be the integrators of the medical system. And that's what I always say. We are the integrators of the medical system. So what does that mean? Integrators of the medical system, right? That means that we are taking the labs from the doctor. We are taking the exams from the specialist. We are taking the reports from the other specialist. We're taking our labs. We're taking the patient's symptoms. We have the luxury of time to pull all of those things together and say, what's this story? What is this story telling me? What is this pattern telling me? What is this patient's, what clues am I to get here from this patient's experience? And that is not what we're taught to do. Right? We're taught to sit there, we're taught to listen, which we all should be good listeners, great. And we're taught to, again, meet the patient where they're at and give them these specific recommendations and recommend blood work if it's not too expensive and recommend something if it's not too expensive and hope for the best. But we have the capacity and the potential to be next level integrators. That's why we're seeing more naturopathic doctors working in hospitals and integrative environments than we ever have before. It's because this is where our power circle is when we know how to step into it, right? Again, just like I said last time, the medical model is being forced to go off label for so many different medications. We are being forced to go out off label, quote unquote, and out of the original scope, we defined ourselves to be the best integrators we can be for our patients. So going back to what we originally came into this with, what happens when you don't have a diagnosis, right? When a patient comes in without a diagnosis, we look for the patterns. We assess everything. We assess blood sugar. We assess inflammation. We assess viruses and exposures and environmental exposures. We assess nutrients and sufficiency. We can assess mitochondrial function and hormones and oxidative stress. We can assess Uh, like hormones. I can go on and on and on. We assess those things. We integrate the information. We look at the pattern. We use foundational physiology to deeply understand the patterns that are at play. We look to our deep knowledge of those foundational physiological concepts. And we say, this patient clearly has a pattern within their immune system, their blood sugar regulation, and their liver. And that's where I need to start. And then we look to evidence and we look to, well, we look to evidence in all sorts. We look to research on PubMed and then we look to clinical applicability and we say what is going to work best in the situation. And then we get the mentorship when it does or doesn't work. That's what we do when a patient doesn't have a diagnosis. So again, if you were feeling overwhelmed and you're burning out and you're just, again, sitting in that space of feeling deeply alone and not knowing what your next steps are in practice, I hope you got a couple notes from this today because this is what I'm seeing a true, true overwhelming majority of people sitting in. And this is what I really want to inspire people to move out of because there's so much power on the other side of what you are capable of and what you can provide your patients. And we are limiting ourselves constantly. And so we can be those integrators of the whole system.
And again, I will keep chatting about this even more when we're going. We'll talk about mistakes. We'll talk about burnout because those are two big things. Um, but I cannot wait to expand. And I really hope you guys are enjoying. And if you are, please screenshot this episode, share it up on Insta, tag me, Dr. Sarah underscore ND, um, because I would love to know that this is resonating. So have a beautiful day, guys, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this show, I would love a review because that is how more people find out about us and ultimately get well. If you are a medical practitioner and you're interested in taking one of my courses to learn how to implement these research strategies, see naturopathicmentorship.com. If you're a patient, we have a couple of options. I can try to hook you up with one of my trained practitioners Or alternatively, if you have a practitioner you love, I do offer one-on-one consults about your case to support that practitioner in learning further. For more information on these strategies, see the show notes. And finally, if you just want to keep in touch, I am always active on Instagram and Facebook, and I look forward to connecting with you there. Have a great day and be well.